The abrupt ending to any magical run hurts, it's painful, and it cuts deep. But we still have to stop and process those things. We can't just press it down. And so that's my job today, is to allow us some space to grieve and to mourn what happened against Kansas in the national championship game. And then to point out some particulars of the game, because it's important to be able to check things off a to-do list. It's, it's almost like catharsis. But then third, while there's pain inside, there's a smile on my face. And I want to tell you today why I think you should have one too. And so that's what we're going to talk about on today's episode of Locked on Tar Heels. You are Locked on Tar Heels, your daily podcast on the UNC Tar Heels, part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. Hey there, it's Tuesday, April 5th, 2022. Welcome into the Locked on Tar Heels podcast, part of the Locked on Podcast Network. I'm your host, Isaac Shade, beat writer for Sports Illustrated's All Tar Heels site. It is a joy to be with you today, even in a difficult day. It's great because we are family, and family gets together whether they are enjoying time or whether time is difficult, and so I'm glad that we have this opportunity. I want to thank you for making Locked on Tar Heels your first listen every single day. Or, if you're watching on YouTube, for making it your first watch today. Thank you so much. And please remember that we are free and available wherever it is that you get podcasts. Well, here we are again, back inside my hotel lobby for the second night in a row. You hear the elevator music going in the back room. In the background. I don't know what the back groom is. That doesn't even make sense. And uh, there's no guys out smoking today, but here we are doing the deal. I couldn't even, I couldn't change. I, I got back from the press conference, sat down at my, my seat in the media room, and I thought about going ahead and podcasting there. And then I just, I knew I needed some space to clear my head so that I could be able to clearly present to you my thoughts and ideas so that we can do that, you know, do this counseling, this therapy session together. And I've got to lead this therapy session, so I got to think about it. So I used the drive back to my hotel to really process things, and so I'm ready. But I, I couldn't change. I just had to sat, sit down and get right into it. And so, like I said, we want to start off by just allowing ourselves some space to sit in the pain because that's a very real thing. And so I, I want to process through that. In, in full transparency, again, you've probably figured this out. I'm recording this on Monday. I mean, it's technically Tuesday morning, very Tuesday morning by this point. But I, I wanted to, to record this and talk about it in, in the close, closest proximity I could to the game so that it feels still very real and raw and fresh. So I'm going to process in real time with you. That's what I'm doing. I'm, I'm talking through everything that I'm, I'm processing. I'm all in my feels. My, my emotions have been all over the place. I've had joy for the season that it was. I've had sadness that it came to this abrupt end that we, that we mentioned in the cold open. That the harsh reality of that is just... You're, you're going, you're going, you're going, and then all of a sudden, it's taken away from you. I'm experiencing hope that this is nowhere near an end to what the Hubert Davis era is going to be. Remember, 
this is a beginning, a stepping stone to even bigger things. There's only one bigger thing that can happen, unless you string a bunch of them together. Um, I've cried. I, yes, because of the sadness of losing, but just, I don't think I had allowed myself to fully experience the emotion of this crazy run dating back to the Pittsburgh loss. It's just been overwhelming to to experience all that. Thus, this range of emotions that, that you're probably feeling as well. Um, and it's all good stuff. It's all stuff that we need to process and go through and deal with as people who love sport, as people who love a team, as people who grow attached to these young men and everything they're doing. To Brady Manick's story, to... to everything Armando went through in the past couple days to get ready to play, to everything Leakey's been through in his career, which may or may not be over. We don't know yet. To come so close to something that you so desperately want and not be able to grasp it is almost worse than not coming close at all. Just ask Marcus Page. Just ask Bryce Johnson. That's what they went through in 2016. Now, uh, to me, this loss tonight against Kansas isn't Chris Jenkins' level dagger. At least with that, it's like you, you go quickly. It's just a quick dagger jab in and out. But this, to go from the emotion of halftime of, again, another double-digit first-half lead, 15-point halftime lead to, to the feeling at the end of the game as Caleb Love's last-ditch three-point shot misses and falls short. That's a different type of dagger. That's not the in and out. That is a dagger just gradually going into you over the course of the second half's 20 minutes as Carolina is losing the war of attrition to ankles and foul trouble and throw up. And then that knife is just slowly twisted as you deal with the emotion of seeing what you thought was a sure thing at halftime slowly slip away in the biggest national championship come from behind win of all time. With the Chris Jenkins shot, with that dagger, there's no time to let it percolate. It just happened. You don't have to sit and, and see it coming. It's just quick. This, we're sitting there seeing this lead slip away, seeing Carolina drop like flies, and, and you can almost taste the inevitable. They've been over, able to overcome it before, as they did with Baylor, and it just wasn't meant to be tonight. That, that twisting dagger, I mean, it's everything Carolina's going through. Ar Ar Armando Baycott's ankle. What a trooper this dude is. Like, coming out and dealing with it and getting a double-double. Like, what? On a bum ankle. The man gets a double-double. At the post-game press conference, he couldn't even walk up onto the dais by himself. He had to have help of Matt Bowers, part of Carolina's um, communications and sports information staff. On the way back down, the moderator 
Matt Bowers again had to help Baycott get down off the day after the press conference was over. Puff Johnson puking into a trash can because he got hit in the stomach right after he's been on this amazing run. Caleb Love dealing with lower body injuries, literally hobbling, limping up and down the court. Brady Manick getting beat up all night long. Leakey dealing with foul trouble. This, this attrition was just too much. And the enduring image for me is that of one of the last Carolina possessions of the game where Armando Baycott goes up for what he said in the post-game press conference was a good angle to score and just rolled up that ankle again. And then he comes hobbling down the court, one-legging it as best as he can to try to catch up on defense and stop Kansas from scoring. And I'll never forget because I'm sitting right smack dab in the middle and this guy, this six foot ten beast of a human being, this mountain of a man, is hobbling down the court as best as he can trying to catch up with Kansas who's trying to run away with things. And that to me is the enduring image of the second half of this game. Carolina fighting off injury after injury after foul trouble, and Kansas just trying to run away with it, and Carolina's trying to limp along and catch up. And it just wasn't meant to be. Given all that, you, you, you hate the way it ends. You hate to blow this lead. But knowing everything we know about Carol, what Carolina was dealing with, the fact that you have a shot at the end of the game to send it for time is almost miraculous. And I, I know maybe you, we don't feel that way given the, given the fact that the giving up of the lead, but this is one of the best teams in the country. And when you are down several members of an already shallow bench team, of course they're gonna come back from 15. Like it just makes sense. A Bill Self team is not gonna give up. Uh, the other thing that I'm really processing and struggling with is the reality of no more Brady Manic. Um, this guy has been a special gift that no one on this team, no one in the Carolina family saw coming. He has brought heart and emotion and drive and leadership to this team all year long. This kid from Hera, Oklahoma, who had never been to the East Coast before, changed the course of history for the 2021-22 Tar Heels. And it was incredible. What a ride this has been. Thank you, Brady Manick. Thank you, Hubert Davis. Thank you, 2021-22 Tar Heels, for taking me taking the entire Carolina family on the ride of a lifetime. We will never forget this. <laughs> that, that is the thoughts and the feelings and emotions of a roller coaster season that came nearly to fruition on the final Monday night of the college basketball season, and that's all you can ask for is to be playing with a chance to win the national championship. What, what happened in the game itself that affected the outcome? What allowed Kansas to start finding more success? We're going to talk about the particulars of the game in just a second. But first, let me tell you about Built Bar. 
Built bars are great candy bar replacement options covered in 100% real chocolate. Some of the great flavors include mint brownie, coconut, coconut almond, and new white chocolate shamrock. They're all delicious and new flavors are coming out all the time. At Built Bar, they're all about the taste. They make it taste delicious first and then they figure out how to make it healthy. I don't know how Built Bar does this, but they always pull it off. So go to built.com Built and scroll down to the macros chart. You'll be blown away. High protein, low calorie, high fiber, low carb. Most Built Bars contain just 130 calories, only four net carbs only four grams of sugar, but yet 17 grams of protein. Compare that to a normal candy bar, which has about 240 calories, 30 grams of sugar, and dozens of net carbs. Go to built.com, use promo code LOCKED15, and you'll get 15% off your next order. That's promo code LOCKED15 for 15% off at built.com. Hey, I just wanna thank you again for being part of the Locked on Tar Heels community. Monday was by far the most downloaded day in Locked on Tar Heels history. Literally by hundreds and hundreds of downloads. Incredible. I love what we're building. Let's keep it going. I know it's the off season, but let's stay dialed in together and keep on trucking. Well, the, the ending sequences of this game were just... How different does this, this ending play out if Carolina is able to get the rebound off of David McCormick's missed shot, which he grabbed and put back in for that 70-69 lead? There's about one minute and 14 seconds left at that point. What if Baycott has a little more lift, is able to grab a rebound? Who knows what Carolina does on that possession? Maybe they score, maybe they get fouled, maybe they just run a lot of clock. Who knows? The Tar Heels even get the ball back miraculously with four seconds and a chance to tie it up. They have a great play drawn up for Brady Manick um, on the opposite side of the court and just, just slips cutting through the lane like that happens. That's life. What got us to those points? There was a whole, a whole world of things that happened. And while we typically do a four corners game preview, since there are no more games this season, what I want to do in this section, this segment, is a Four Corners game recap because Dean Smith would have been so proud of this team and the way they fought and the way they reflected their coach's identity, which is all that Hubert Davis asked for all season long. And they did that. So where I want to start the first of those Four Corners is with the first half response. Kansas jumped out to a 7-0 lead. And it kind of looked like Carolina was going to maybe get run out the gym. They were sluggish. They didn't start well. They, didn't, they just didn't look ready to go. And we asked the question, did Carolina have anything left in the tank? It was starting to look like the answer was going to be an immediate no. But then they responded. Carolina, from that point through the rest of the first half, went on a 40-18 to run. So did they have anything left in the tank? Absolutely they did. Frankly, they had enough left in the tank to win a national championship tonight. But there were some other factors at play that stopped that from happening. And unfortunately, in the second half, Kansas went on a monster mega run of their own, 31-10. to 10. Whew, That just put them back in the lead. 
And Carolina, once again, pushed back. Didn't let Kansas um, drag away and lo lose touch. But there just weren't enough plays down the stretch. Point number two, and I think this was the biggest thing that happened in the entire game, was Leaky Black picking up his fourth foul with 13 minutes and 52 seconds left to go. One of the little sh quiet things about this Iron Five is that if something starts to happen, whether it be foul trouble or injury or, or any of those kind of things, that stuff starts to fall apart a little bit. And so with Leaky Black as this defensive stopper, he had done a great job in the first half on Ochai Agbaji. Agbaji scored five points in the first like four and a half minutes, but then just had three like right at the end of the half. Had a, a free throw he made in a bucket. And so Leaky Black did a great job on him, but had picked up something of a silly foul for either his first or second foul of the first half, like a frustration foul, it almost felt like to me, and then had a couple fouls there in the second half, so got up to that fourth foul, had to go to the bench, and that was just a big part of what allowed Kansas to go on that 31-10 run we were just talking about. If Leaky Black is in the majority of this second half, are, are we talking about a different outcome right now? Maybe so. Four Corners recap number three. Here's the good thing. This, this is a little bit of, of going ahead and pointing ahead to the years to come, but just like Puff Johnson, when Baycott went down with his initial injury Saturday against Duke, stepped in and made those two free throws, he rose to the occasion tonight in a big way. Even before Leaky Black's foul trouble, at the end of the first half, Johnson was in the game and there was a missed Carolina shot and Johnson flew in for an offensive rebound, put it right back, halftime lead, 40-25. to 25. But then in the second half, when he comes in for Leaky, just starts pouring in buckets. Um, played 18 minutes in the game. 11 points on 5 of 9 shooting. He had a 3-pointer. He had a great baseline cut to the basket. Baycott found him. There, a, a pass came to Baycott from the other corner. Swung it right to a cutting Puff Johnson for a monster dunk. Then he had that 3. And on the next possession, drew a charge. Um, just all these great moments from Puff Johnson. But it was literally right after that that he got hit in the stomach. Went down on the court in a, in a heap. And then had to go back to the bench and was just puking his guts out, poor guy. Like, this is just the night that it was. That's how things went. Puff Johnson is is giving this huge lift to his team. And then he has to go out. Just wasn't meant to be. And then the fourth point of the four corners is Carolina's three-point shooting. Their free-throw shooting returned to what it had been most of the season with this um, phenomenal... Free throw shooting, even Armando Baycott rallied from the way he had been shooting lately and did a, did a great job at the line. But the Tar Heels just weren't able to connect from three. Finished the game 5 of 23 for 21.7% three-point shooting. Just uncharacteristic for what they've done this year. And sometimes that's what happens. That's what happened to Shaman Williams back in that game. Um, with that whole crew of, of Jameson, who was in the in the building tonight, and, and Vince Carter, and, and all of those, Maktar Jai was in the room tonight, in, in the arena. Excuse me. Sometimes these things happen. That's sports. You you hope for the best, but but sometimes you have to plan for the worst. Well, that is the Four Corners recap. I think those are some of the biggest things that allowed Kansas to to grab that lead. Some of the great things that happened for the Tar Heels, though. 
And it is Tuesday. I don't want to let us go without a Tuesday trivia, but it's going to be a little bit of an obvious one because we just got to acknowledge it. Here's your Tuesday trivia question. You ready? Going to be the easiest one you've ever had. Who was the only person in Carolina history to record 500 or more rebounds in a single season? Drum roll, please. I get buckets. Armando Baycott. 511 rebounds this season. That's insane. Before this, the most rebounds ever in Carolina single season history was Bryce Johnson's 416. Baycott beat that by almost uh, just shy of five uh, of 100 rebounds. What are we doing? It's crazy. Even when you remove the fact of, you know, like Bryce Johnson did that battling for rebounds with Kennedy Meeks. Obviously, Armando Baycott didn't have to do that, but still to best Bryce Johnson's number by just shy of 100 rebounds? Wow. Unbelievable. Unbelievable. Great job, Armando Baycott. Now, not to mention, let's not forget, he also, on a bum ankle, did record a double-double tonight. That means he has 31 on the season, 49 in his career. What about those numbers? Well, if you've been tracking with me, you know what's going on here. 31 double-doubles. Dub-dubs, excuse me. Why am I saying double-doubles? I'm wasting precious time. 31 dub-dubs ties the NCAA single season record. He just beat the ACC single season record. Now he ties David Robinson for the NCAA single season record. He's going down in the history books, folks. Unbelievable. And then his 49 career uh, dub-dubs in Carolina history keeps him in sole possession of third place. You know, he could come back, maybe get a couple more. We'll have to wait and see on that one. Also, Armando Baycott, with his crazy performances in, in these last three games, 15 or more rebounds in th- the final three games of the season, now crosses into a th- over 1,000 career rebounds. 1,001 is the total. He's in 10th place on the Carolina career rebounding list and the 10th player to get to amass 1,000 or more rebounds. Very, very impressive stuff he's doing. Interestingly, we've had a couple games this season where Armando Baycott and Brady Manick both finished with double-doubles, and that's great, and that happened again on Monday night. But you know who else did? The little homie R.J. Davis. R.J. Davis recorded a double-double, not with points and assists, as you might guess, with points and rebounds. R.J. Davis had 15 points and 12 rebounds. Unbelievable. Unbelievable. For the tournament, he had four or more rebounds in every single game, in every single one of Carolina's postseason games going back to the ACC tournament. Wow. Wow, wow, wow. Baycott 15 and 15 tonight. Manic 13 and 13 in his final game as a Tar Heel. Now, we've had some emotional moments on this podcast today, and I promised you that I would tell you why I'm smiling and why I think you should smile. And we're going to get to that in just a second. But before we do, let me tell you about Bet Online. BetOnline.net is your number one source for all your betting needs and sports info. Find all the latest sports developments, including this upcoming weekend's Masters Championship odds, podcasts, and reviews for all the different leagues this season. BetOnline is your continued source for all your sports wagering information, including live betting, esports, and scores. So head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more about the trends and action. Bet online, where the game starts. 
Carolina family, we've spent some time grieving. We've spent some time checking a couple things off the to-do list of, of here's why this game happened and hopefully that brought to you some, some catharsis. And now it's time to smile a little bit. We're going to spend plenty of time remembering this season, this special ride that we've been on. But I, I just want to begin that process right here today. And I'm going to take my jacket off. It's getting hot in this hotel lobby. And I want to start with Brady Manic. I know a couple of segments ago I, I talked about how there's just this, oof, this weight of no more Brady Manic in a North Carolina uniform and how heavy that is. But I want to smile today because Brady Manick came to Chapel Hill to be a North Carolina Tar Heel. And he is forever part of this family. He has cemented himself in Carolina lore. He is the second leading single season three-point shooter in terms of made three-pointers in Carolina history behind only Justin Jackson with finishes with 98. Unbelievable. What a guy. The way, the way he has brought people together. People just rally around this guy. He's different. He's fun. He's engaging. Thank you, Brady Manick. Thank you, Manick family, for sharing him with us. He has been a joy, and we are so glad that not just Brady, but all of you are now part of this family as well. Next thing, next reason I want to smile. Go back to November. Take yourself to the weekend at the end of the two games in Connecticut. The loss to Purdue, which you feel good about. Carolina fought well and hard in those games. In that game, excuse me. But then the loss to Tennessee the next day. Felt awful. Down in the dumps. When you think about the loss to Kentucky. Just a no-show game. Miami, Wake Forest. Back-to-back -back road games in the ACC. Losing to Notre Dame. Losing to Pitt at home. Getting blown out by 20 against Duke. That all stung. Remember that version of yourself and everything you went through and felt and experienced and contrast that with the euphoria of what has happened over the course of the last several weeks. I would suggest to you that part of the reason to smile today is because that the highs that we've just experienced are all the more high because of how low the lows were. And so, yeah, this team was trying to figure it out, and a lot of people didn't understand it. The coaching staff did. The players did. They get that it takes a long time to put a team together in this day and age because of transfer portal, because of NIL, because of COVID extra years, all of that. It just takes time, and sometimes we're going to have to get used to that as college basketball fans. But those lows, as low as they were, they allowed the highs to be all the higher. So smile. Smile because who knows what's going to happen next year. Outside of Brady Manick, the other four starters technically all can come back to this team. Now, losing Brady Manick is a huge cog in that wheel. For, for a Hubert Davis offense to exist at the level of capacity it did this year, you need a Brady Manick knockdown stretch four shooter. But Armando Baycott has another year of eligibility. RJ Davis, Caleb Love, they both have two years of eligibility left. Leaky Black could use that COVID year of eligibility and come back, and he's hinted that he's at the very least considering 
such a move. Obviously, he's going to talk to his family. Just just think about things. Talk to the coaching staff. Figure out what's best for everyone involved. But all four starters can come back. And don't forget, you've got a junior Puff Johnson. You've got a, a sophomore Dontrez Styles. Uh, we don't know what's going to happen with transfer portals, so I'm just assuming all these people are staying until I hear otherwise. You've got a sophomore DeMarco Dunn. You've got a junior Justin McCoy. All these guys growing up another year, another time in the program. You're bringing in another strong recruiting class. Who knows what's going to happen with Gigi Jackson, maybe reclassifying to 2022 and maybe committing to the Tar Heels in the coming days. We're going to have to be on the lookout for that. Run it back. You other four guys, test the draft waters. Absolutely. Why it'd be dumb not to. Worked for 16 to 17. Chris Jenkins shot, put a dagger in these boys' hearts, and then they moved on. And they got redemption in 2017. I want to smile because there were two phenomenal basketball games that the Carolina family got to experience this weekend. I think part of the emotion I was going through at the beginning of the podcast today in the first segment is because college basketball is just such a great game and I love it and I want everyone to know how great it is, how hard these young men work, how hard these coaches work, how hard the SIDs work and everyone behind the scenes. It's incredible, and we all get to be part of experiencing the joy and the wonder of it. So smile because you got to experience two of the highest capacity games in the NCAA tournament and perhaps in NCAA tournament history this weekend. Here's another reason to smile. I want you to smile as you remember your feelings after the Duke game. Oh, I'm sorry, you need me to specify because Carolina knocked off Duke twice at the end of this season. At Cameron Indoor Stadium, on their senior night, on Coach K ra-ra-ra day, ruin a retirement party. And oh yeah, on Saturday, ruin another retirement party. Those feelings, those experiences don't come along every day. Drink it in, soak it up. Another reason to smile... Carolina family, you have your basketball coach. And his name's Hubert Davis. He is a good man. He is a great basketball mind. And he's good for the game of basketball. He's going to be a great ambassador. At the press conference after the game tonight, one of the last things that was said came out of his mouth. And he said, I love what I'm doing. I'm quoting here, by the way. I love what I'm doing. I love being the head coach at the University of North Carolina. And I love these kids. You can never doubt for a second that this man is all in. And he is what you want as the head coach of the University of North Carolina Tar Heels. I want you to smile because of my friend Mike Bova. I've met Mike over the course of the past months. We've been texting back and forth. I've never met Mike in in person. Mike lives in New York with his family. They get together and watch basketball games. His sons come over to the Bova Dome, gathers with grandchildren. And after every game and before every game, he'll send me a text with with his thoughts on the game. And and I love what he shares. It's a little scattershot as he's, he's just processing through what he's doing. It's like my quick hitter articles. 
And so I want to give Mike the last word on today's show. And I just want to read you the text that he sent me tonight. And let's let Mike speak for all of us. So just bear with me as I read Mike's text. Well, we gave Kansas a good game. They played tougher than we did, but not by a lot. Kansas player hits the three just like Love three against Duke on Saturday. Tough night shooting for our guards, 10 for 41 and 1 for 13 on threes. But if we didn't have them, we would never have gotten this far. Baycott played his heart out and was not 100%. And Manic was banged up and kept plugging away. Puff was outstanding and showed what he's capable of. Hubert's tenacity is awesome. There's nothing to hang our heads about. The thing that will bother me is I think we're a better team than Kansas. Well, I'll give you a few days and I'll reach out for Thursday. Safe trip home. Like I, here's Mike's last sentence. Like I said to my sons and my one grandson and one granddaughter that were here, we had one heck of a year. As always, go Heels. So Mike, thank you for, for voicing what we're all going through and experiencing just, just the roller coaster of this night. Thank you for being the voice of the Carolina family. Well, friends, that's it for today's episode of Locked on Tar Heels. Please go subscribe wherever it is that you listen to podcasts. And would you take a moment to rate and review and, and five-star the show while you're there, particularly if you listen on Apple Podcasts. It's just a very helpful way that we can get it into more people's ears. Follow the show at Locked on Heels. Follow me at Isaac Shade, I-S-A-A-C-S-C-H-A-D-E. would love to interact with you on Twitter. <clears throat> Don't forget, if you'd like to share some stories from your experience with the Duke game on Saturday, the lead up to it, the after it, the during it, whatever. Would love to hear that. You can share that with me anywhere, including the Locked on Tar Heels Gmail address, lockedontarheels at gmail.com. Coming up tomorrow, we just got to keep unpacking this a little bit. We're going to be one day further removed from it, and there's more to say. Also, I want to begin sharing some of those family stories of the experiences of the Duke game on Saturday. And then we have to very quickly turn the corner because the football spring game is Saturday, just a few short days away, and I want to start getting you ready for that. So prep yourself. As always, thank you so much for making Locked on Tar Heels your first listen today. And now let me encourage you to make Locked on NFL Draft your second listen. The NFL Draft is so close. It's coming up quick. What's going to happen with Sam Howell? Well, these guys are getting you ready for it. It's Ryan Tracy and former NFL cornerback Eric Crocker. They bring the NFL Draft to life every day with insight and analysis on college football prospects and NFL front offices. It's free and available wherever you get podcasts. Whew. Thank you so much for spending part of your Tuesday talking Carolina sports with me. And remember, even today, as hard as it is and as badly as you feel, there's hope. And it's always a great day to be a Tar Heel. Until tomorrow, peace! Peace!